there's so many stories to tell in Puerto Rico and I felt like there was a, a huge gap that needed to be filled that felt like it was my calling. My guest this week is Bianca Gralo. She took a huge leap of faith also and left her TV news reporting job in the middle of a pandemic. And she moved back to Puerto Rico to be with her family. When you hear Puerto Rico in the news so many times, you only hear one side of things. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just this huge gap of information, historical, when it comes to you know, the relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico when it comes to the amazing things that are happening internally that people don't hear about. It just felt like there was a big need for that. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened to perfectly align with what I wanted to be doing. She's been using new media platforms like TikTok to share video stories that matter to her. I've been curious about how journalists are using that platform to share stories, and I've wanted to learn more about what's working, what's not, what could be improved. And I happen to come across Bianca's story about a family straddling the U.S.-Mexico border on TikTok. I go after stories that I'm curious about, just things that, that I feel are not talked about enough. The president met with congressional leaders. Doctors will start implanting the devices. And he heard that warning from the Coast Guard tonight. For now, we're live in Orlando. For now, we're live in Dallas. We're live in Boston tonight. Caitlin McCulley, 7 News 19. I'm Caitlin McCulley. I left my job as a TV news reporter in a pandemic to try to find a better way to share stories that matter. No BS. Thanks for listening to Outlet Podcast. You can download new episodes each week. Here's Bianca Claro. So it's kind of weird, right? Because you hear TikTok and you think it's for teenagers, for dancing, for funny things. But I had been hearing a couple people saying that they were using it for different kind of content. And I went on there looking for examples and I couldn't see much of news. So I really spent a couple months kind of thinking, how can I make this fit my kind of content? And then I just decided to put a clip of one of my stories and that did well. So mm -hmm. then I just kept going. I was just like, I'm going to experiment with it. So I've tried everything from clips from my stories to me, you know, giving like a minute of whatever story of the day. Um, to fitting these like funny trends that everyone does to my kind of content and just kind of having fun with it, being relaxed. And it's been resonating with people. So I've been really lucky that I've been able to use it to pull people to watch my longer stories. Okay. So let's back up a little bit and talk about your journalism career, how you got into this business, why you got into it and kind of how it progressed. How I got into it isn't that much of an interesting story, just that <laughs> I was bad at math and science. And I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do once I left high school and went into college. And journalism just seemed like it fit my personality. I'm really interested in history and public speaking and politics. So that's kind of how I fell into it. And then once I, I went to school at Syracuse, New York. So at the Syracuse University, the um, Newhouse College of Communication. So once I was there, I loved it. I mm -hmm. loved the idea of interviewing people, really getting to know a story and then making it digestible for other people to watch and connect with that story. So once I was in college, I, I knew that I loved it and, and that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, I started my career like pretty much everyone does in local news, went to a small market. I started in Spanish news. So I did that for a couple of years and then made the switch over to English and still loving storytelling, but kind of falling out of love with the daily grind mm -hmm. and the daily, like telling the story of the day and just every story started 
starting to look alike Mm -hmm. and feeling like I wasn't getting a lot of value out of it and the viewers weren't getting a lot of value out of it. So I started experimenting with different kinds of storytelling. At this point, local news stations were noticing that they needed to do something different. So I think the stations I, I worked at we're trying to experiment with things. So I had some freedom to, mm-hmm. to do things differently. So I did different kinds of storytelling, longer feature reporting, and did that for several years. Kind of took a break in between 2016. I took like six months off and started, I continued to do storytelling, but I used social media to kind of communicate with the audience directly and do some storytelling there. And, you know, went back to get a couple more jobs. And then I was like, I want to give this a fair try. I want to branch out on my own, do my own thing, like seriously this time. Because I think last time I had a a foot in and a foot out. And Mm -hmm. this time I said, I'm going to position myself so that I could truly try this for a while, just freelance and and create my own content online for a while. And that's kind of what I've been doing now. So how did you end up with the story along the Mexico border? So for people who haven't seen that video, um, can you summarize what the story was about and and how you came across it? I know you said you were at the border and just talking to people, right? Yes. So this is what's called Friendship Park. And this is the border wall or fence between Tijuana and San Diego. So uh, there's a fence where, and there's sort of a park where people can go meet across the fence. But, you know, it's a steel fence that you could barely put a finger through. You can kind of see the the person on the other side. And obviously because the people on the Mexico side, they come to that place so that they can meet up with their family members, but they can't cross to the U.S. side. And a lot of times the people on the U.S. side, they can't cross because then they can't come back if, if they don't have proper documentation. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this is a story of two sisters who would come travel to San Diego and walk a while because it's not an easy path to walk. In the video, you see how they walk through, you know, a lot of grass to, to get to this park. And then they meet up with their mom, who they haven't seen in a very long time, and they haven't been able to hug in a very long time. So so it's a very emotional moment where, you know, the mom just breaks down. And, and I asked her, you know, what is this like? And she's like, I just wish I could hug them. They're my daughters. So So it's a really emotional story. And again, I think it's a story of a lot of families, right? Mm. So when I posted it on TikTok, it just resonated because so many people know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And how did you translate such an emotional, such a, a, I'm sure there's a lot that goes into that story into the confines of TikTok? Yeah. So the original story is like three minutes long and I did it both in Spanish and English. So that's the thing, right? With a platform like TikTok, you have to figure out how to make that story concise but you know that's what we've been trained to do because when you work in a newscast you you don't get the luxury of several minutes so it sometimes it's hard because you have to cut out all those pieces and i just think it's also a matter of getting comfortable with the platform you're using when i'm doing a video for youtube i know people have decided to give me several minutes of their attention and and they're, you know, buckling in for an experience. I know that on TikTok, the finger is right there to keep scrolling. So I know I have to get to the point quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after watching a lot of it, you kind of understand 
what people on that platform are looking for. They're still looking for a payoff and you can still build up the story, but you have to cut out a lot of the excess stuff. Mm -hmm. So I I just had to make sure that I I kept in there what was essential and also the emotional moment, the moment that really ties it all together and that really helps you connect with the family, but just get rid of all the extra stuff that, that I used for the Facebook story. What is it do you think that draws creators to TikTok? It's the great opportunity that that's on that platform right now. Um, You know, all of us as content creators, reporters, storytellers are always looking for the opportunity to reach an audience. And as you know, that's just not that easy anymore on Instagram or Facebook. And like I said, there was great opportunity at some point when I was posting those stories to Facebook, we got millions of views Mm. and it was just us posting it directly to Facebook after doing a little story, no big marketing team, like none of that. It was just us thinking that a story was worth telling and posting it. That was it. So I think what's drawing people to TikTok is the opportunity of reaching people that you no longer have on platforms like Instagram or Facebook, unless you pay for that. Mm. So talk about advertising because I, I mean, I've seen some ads on TikTok, but it's not overwhelming. No. And I think as a content creator, um, the way that you would get paid uh, or sponsored for content would be that a brand pays you to show their product or promote whatever it is that that they sell. But when it comes to ads, it's either when you open up the app, yeah, when you open up the app and you see an ad right off the top when you open it up and, and there's something like promoting a show or an app or a product, then that's how you see ads, but you don't see ads within videos like you would on Facebook or YouTube. So I personally haven't done that. My thing is just getting my content in front of people. Um, but, but I have seen how other content creators make money off of promoting stuff. Mm-hmm. And how many followers do you have on TikTok? Right now it's up to 164,000, something like that. Wow. Wow. And on Instagram? 5,000. I was super late to the Instagram game. And like I said, I just, and honestly, Instagram never felt like my platform. Hmm. I felt like Facebook was because I expressed myself so much better through video. And I had the opportunity to do that on Facebook for a while. Uh, But when it came to Instagram, I I tried so many things, you know, I tried the like very aesthetic pictures I tried, and it just wasn't me, I I didn't feel like it fit my personality and the way that I express myself. So I never really like found my way through Instagram. And then once TikTok came along, it just feels a lot more natural to me. And it's also, I think it's also sort of a community that, um, how do you say, a community that values less of a, you know how Instagram is more of a show me what's pretty, what's right. perfect, what, what I would like to have in my life that you have. Mm-hmm. I think TikTok is much more driven by like stories and vulnerability and personality. And I think because of what I do, if it's perfectly because that's what I do. I tell stories. So mm-hmm. the, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I tried to take these perfect pictures for Instagram and it just <laughs> did not feel natural. And, and, and I tried with the caption and it's just, it wasn't working, but with talk, it just felt natural because again, because I, I'm a storyteller at heart and that minute time frame is enough for me to get a point across. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I remember, um, you know, obviously I've been aware of TikTok for a while, but I haven't, uh, 
I haven't posted anything on it, but I remember last year was my first um, first time when I was reporting in Boston. I was using it for a story because there was this woman who whose sister was missing, and she was posting all of these TikToks about where she was last seen, like information. And so I had to navigate through it to figure out some of her other friends and and who I could contact. So I used it as a reporting tool, and I was just, that's when I first was like, oh. This is not just silly dancing videos and, um, you know, entertainment stuff, which is all great. But I've been really interested, especially more lately, in looking at it as in ways that, that you're using it and as a storytelling platform, which I guess at its heart it is. Yeah, for sure. And I think every time that I hear of a content creator uh, who's not using it, then I'm like, you have to get on it because this opportunity will go away. The same way that I went away with Facebook, I went away with Instagram. At some point, these platforms get saturated and it's just not as easy to reach people. So for anyone who's trying to get their message out there, right now is the time to take advantage of it before the next big thing comes along. What is the next big thing? Do you Are you aware of any other, I mean, I know there are a million other apps, but um, anything else that you see gaining I've popularity? I've only heard of one other that you might be interested in because it's a sound platform. Have you heard of uh, Clubhouse? No. So it's a sound platform. I haven't been on it, but I've heard about it a couple of times. And apparently it's like sound conversation type thing. Um, I'm interested in checking it out to see if it's something I could explore. But it's the only other thing that I've heard of like that. So your love is storytelling. Does it matter to you what kinds of stories you're telling? Do you have a particular area of interest or what, what motivates you to go chase down a story? I go after stories that I'm curious about, just things that that I feel are not talked about enough, uh, the angle that people are ignoring, or at least that I am not seeing in what we call, you know, mainstream or, or like that we're seeing everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in telling those stories because, you know, when you turn on the news, you see familiar faces and, and we have to interview the politicians and keep them accountable. We have to interview the, you know, the typical figures that you see. But I also think that a lot of times there's such rich stories and communities, communities that are doing amazing things. And, and again, because of the format of how we're used to telling stories, I think sometimes we don't necessarily do those stories justice. I think that when you really take the time to immerse yourself in those stories, you find out some amazing things that I think more people should know about. So I think that's kind of my angle to all mm -hmm. of this. And also just exploring interesting topics. I think I'll give you an example. Puerto Rico has a, a problem with food independence, meaning that we don't have food independence. We import eight out of 10 products that we consume. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something we know, right? And uh, sometimes, you know, the, the typical way of thinking is, you know, let's go interview the Secretary of Agriculture and let's go interview, you know, a couple companies in the food production um, business. But there's so many people who have either have to leave Puerto Rico for a while and have come back and are, are now dedicating their time to contributing whatever little they can so that Puerto Rico can one day be food independent, that I think those are very rich stories of people who are doing the work, mm -hmm. people who envision different 
country because Puerto Rico consider it a country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just think there's so much value in talking to these people who are doing the everyday work and really um, putting in the effort. So, so that's an example of something that we all kind of know but a topic that that we don't necessarily always explore. And the other angle I'm really interested in is how did we get here? I mean, Puerto Rico was historically a place where we grew so much food. And if you go back to, you know, our indigenous ancestors, that's what they did. That, you know, we have such fertile soil in Puerto Rico. So how is it that we got to the point that we import most of what we eat? So when I do my stories, I'm interested in digging deep to the history. How did we get here and how we can move forward from that? Wow. And so you're doing TikTok videos, you're doing YouTube, you're kind of hitting all the all the platforms. Kind of. Yeah. And I mean, I do the 80 20, you know, I put 80 percent of my effort to what gives me the the most like return on my time investment. So I focus more on TikTok because that's where I have the larger audience um, and and also where I get to reach more of a new audience. Um, but YouTube allows me to do the sort of immersive long stories that are my main craft. And then I use TikTok to promote those two. Okay. Okay. And so what are your, what are your goals moving forward? I want to continue to tell stories. So, so I think part of my plan when I left my job was, you know, I'm going to do my own content, um, and, and also freelance sort of collaborate with different, um, media outlets. Yep. So, so far I've been able to do that here and there. And it's been great because I think it's a great combination between putting effort into my brand and my platform and, and my social media, and then also collaborating with other people. So I still have that sort of teamwork and learning from other people and, you know, the audience, like sharing audiences kind mm-hmm. of thing. That's awesome. And so you left your job what last year last year it was yes august last year yep okay so you left your job in a pandemic so did i (laughs) i saw that on your youtube i was like oh my gosh she did that too um yeah how has that been going and and really was there a final people have asked me this like was there a final straw that led you to say okay i gotta do something different yeah it was kind of feeling like there was a lot of opportunity out there that I wasn't taking advantage of, you know, there are so many things you could do when you're a full-time employee of a company. Right. And, and I felt like I was seeing all this opportunity and starting to see it through my social media platforms, but not having the full freedom to explore that. Mm -hmm. So I think there just came a point, especially during the pandemic, it was also a combination of, I was supposed to be living in Miami because that's where I was employed. Um, The pandemic hit and and I was in Puerto Rico and I kind of got stuck here, but then also realizing that I wanted to stay here. I have my family here. There's so many stories to tell here. And as I got older, I felt like my roots were calling me. And and again, just that there's so many stories to tell in Puerto Rico. And I felt like there was a, a huge gap that needed to be filled that felt like it was my calling. Mm-hmm. Meaning when you hear Puerto Rico in the news so many times, you only hear one side of things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just this huge gap of information historical when it comes to you know the relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico, when it comes to the amazing things that are happening internally that people don't hear about. It just felt like there was a big need for that. Mm-hmm. And 
it just so happened to perfectly align with what I wanted to be doing. What advice would you give for people, uh, like younger people who are in college and are studying journalism? I hear this a lot from people who, you know, they care about journalism and they get into their first few jobs and they're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Do you think journalism students should consider traditional media outlets or should they go the entrepreneurial route if, if possible? That's a tricky question. And what I always tell people is that it depends on what they're looking for. I think, especially with this new generation, they might, the reality is that I would bet that a lot of people in this younger generation just don't watch traditional news. Right. So the only reason that they might watch it is because they want to go into news. And that was me. I mean, I was working in Sacramento and I would watch the five and 6 p.m. newscast because I worked in news. So I wanted to see what the competition was doing. Right. I wanted to see what story they were covering and how they were covering it. But if I didn't work in news, I can't imagine that I would have. I haven't and had cable for three years. Exactly. <laughs> and once I left... I never owned a TV. I don't have a TV right now. So I, I just think that I wonder about this a lot, especially because sometimes professors from my school, from my university ask me to speak. Mm -hmm. And I wonder about what those students right now in broadcast journalism classes, what they're planning on doing. Because the reality is that we know the current state of local news and of TV news, and we know the need for innovation. So one of the things I wonder is what they're being taught in their classes, whether that resonates with them and whether, you know, they will be going that route. So my advice would be to, to look at the options out there and, and truly ask yourself if you're just following this route because it's what you told yourself that you wanted to be, you know, in the local newscast at 5 p.m. Or are you truly passionate about the content? Are you truly passionate about the way that like stories are being told and, you know, of filling that role? Because otherwise you're, you're going to find out pretty quickly that it's just, it, it won't fit where the world is going, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I guess what I wonder is how many people are feeling the same way because I'm sure it happened to you that after you left your job, people were like, I'm feeling the same way right now. I'm feeling like totally. I don't know where to go from here. Mm -hmm. and, and it's an interesting question because even when you ask me what advice do you have for, for people, you know, for young people wanting to go into journalism, I think the problem we have is that the options out there seem outdated, but then what other options are there? Real options. Exactly. You and I took a huge leap of faith is the truth. Mm -hmm. And not everyone can do this. I did this from a privileged position of being able to come back home to cut my costs to, you know, not have children and not have those responsibilities to be able to say, I'm just going to try this out and see what happens. But not everyone can do that. So so the question is what options are out there and how we can make these possibilities into a reality for us where we could, you know, survive and also continue to pursue our passion? That's the big question. <laughs> I think we can do it. <laughs> I think so too. I yeah. mean, I, for me, it was like, what do I have to lose? I can always get a job. Exactly. I can always get a job doing something and make money that way. But, but I owe it to myself to explore and see what's out there. So, so I'm still figuring out 
what monetizing looks like. I'm still figuring out what, you know, a career path looks like, but I think right now I'm just kind of doing what makes me happy and, and then seeing where that takes me.